House of Run podcast. What are you into these days? Mostly running, Howard. Running. Yeah. Look at Bill! Look at Bill! Coming on! Bill, you're coming on! I'm not thinking about making the team. I'm thinking about gold in Munich. What can I say? I got beat by a zebra. Starts now. Welcome back to the House of Run podcast. House of Run at gmail.com is the email address. I am Kevin Selly, still in the house in Austin, Texas, joined by a surprise co-host. Just kidding. It's Jason again. How's it going, man? Uh, it's going all right. Yeah, still um, trying to figure out what to do with my day. So thanks for this, man. This is this is good. I'm excited to record this. It kills two of the whatever 150-something hours I have to kill every week. This is going to be a nine-hour show where we just keep the mics on and Jason just walks around the house and does fun things. What have you, what have you been spending your time doing? Um, you know, I've been going for some good walks, um, doing, uh, doing some, some, you know, some good stretching really, uh, can, can go further out than I've been, I've been doing, you know, you can get lazy on it, but when you have absolutely nothing to do, it's a good option. Uh, watching a lot of TV, watching Tiger King, like everyone in the world did. Yeah. Yeah. Good, Um, good, good. Like more people have watched Tiger King, like in a two week span than anything in history. Like I feel confident in that. That's what it seems like. Now that could just be a, a echo chamber effect there, but it's certainly, at least in the streaming era, it seems like that's the case. I'm sure the finale of Seinfeld had more people watching it, but I don't. Man, know. I don't know. I mean, just the amount of people that we have now too, and it just seems like. Like, obviously not at the same time, like I said, but over over two weeks where, you know, whatever number of the population doesn't have a job and this thing releases and, you know, there's 12 people to every Netflix password and it's, I mean, whatever, whatever Netflix numbers are, like, it's way higher than that, too. They're releasing the Bulls documentary early. A lot of people oh, might watch man. that, too. That's, that's what I'm really getting excited for. That, that's the big one. How many hours long is it? It's like 10 parts, I want to say. Um, wow. Which, yeah. I mean, it, it can't be too long. Like, they could just reshow every game he played, and I'd be like, yeah, I'm in. How how are you going to approach that? A- an episode a day? Are you going to wait and watch them all at once? Man, that's a good question. Um, yeah, I I know I won't be able to just do an episode a day. Like, I'll get, I'll get caught up, mm-hmm. but... I'd say I'd say it'll probably be two or three sessions total, um, hmm. and if that's I guess if that's there if they're releasing everything at once I don't know maybe maybe they're gonna make me do it one at a time I'm not sure I'm not sure either all I know is it was supposed to come out in June right and then because of yes because of the current situation they bumped it ahead to April which was a move designed for basically you <laughs> you are very happy about this decision I mean, everybody I is, mean I think I think you. yeah anyone who's missing sports which is uh, a lot of people and. Uh, yeah, this is this. I mean, this was something obviously I was insanely excited about. Michael Jordan. This is the you know was my my childhood. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that I think that's you're right. That's that's going to rival the Tiger King for uh, for for viewers. That yeah, I mean Tiger King just had so much crossover. I the Bulls thing. I I'd be surprised if non sports people would be that bored to to dive into a ten part documentary. That's an awful <laughs> an awful lot to to ask. But I, I'm I'm certainly excited for it as a fan of. Fan of this, the uh, this, the sports documentary genre, jazz fans probably won't be watching it, or Sonics fans, or 
Suns fans, Pistons fans. I mean, every single team, yeah, from the 90s. But um, yeah. I don't know. Even then, I feel like they'll be like, oh, man, they'll like hate watch it. Yeah. You know, they'll just be like, oh, he was he was cheating. He was whatever. And it's you know, he was LeBron's better. better everybody. That's what they'll say. <laughs> um, a couple of ideas at the top here. Um, yeah. One, Aaron wrote to us about potentially doing a live taping of the show. Oh, okay. Where we would, I guess we'd go on Zoom, and then people could tune in live, and then I think we would have the capability to take calls at that That'd point. Be, that, that could be fun. I'd be up for that for sure. Because that would give me a chance to do, be like Larry King. I'd be like, <laughs> Steven Saginaw, Michigan, hello. <laughs> be a, a lifelong dream there. Um Yeah. I mean, that would be, yeah, 100%. So if we did it, we'd have probably do... We're recording this on Sunday afternoon, which I don't think would be the ideal time to do it. We would probably do it during the week, the evening time. Probably okay. be best. Would that work for you? Is that, I mean, yeah, that's... Is that my, one of the my hours? schedule is mostly open. <laughs> I'm. Just, when do you think... Mo- I mean, during the week, people are working normal hours. Some people are working normal hours. Still, so I wouldn't want to yes. do it then. So I would guess it would eat, that would leave weekends or evenings i'm trying to think when people would be most available to do it right and we're not if people aren't interested then we won't do it but if you aren't interested, let us know either on email twitter whatever and then we'll get it set up and figure out how to do it um aaron volunteered well he volunteered to be a guinea pig but i'm actually appointing him the producer of the show like he's enough perfect i want him to make sure it doesn't get like completely off the rails and i've been reading all these stories about people trying to do zoom for like instruction and then random people pop in and say crazy inappropriate things i i don't want that i don't want that and then i guess we could just you could just grab the audio for all of it and then we could post that as a pod too right i mean you could just do a. I i would think so yeah i've yeah. never used zoom before but i can't imagine that would be uh that'd be a problem okay the other thing i was thinking and maybe we could incorporate this into the live show or maybe we would do this separate is you haven't had the opportunity to stand up because everything's closed so do you want to just do like a weekly five to ten minute thing <laughs> Oh man, that would be incredibly awkward. And I could um, I could put a laugh track in or something like that. Or I right. could laugh really loud. So <laughs> that would be uh that would be straight. You know, there's this guy I know who's actually he was putting on stand up shows um as like a drive in thing and he was so he was on stage like in like a big parking lot type thing and everyone was in their cars and then he was transmitting it to like a radio station, like how you oh, watch yeah. like a drive in movie. Yeah. And I was like, That's actually a really cool idea. Okay. So that's but, what, I that's mean that's what you not something we would be doing. Show. But I just I was <laughs> thought that was a clever solution to this problem. Um, maybe slightly ahead of doing stand up on a podcast. I'm not sure though. Yeah, yeah. Well, because I've been sending you you jokes that I've been coming up with that that have been good that aren't. Eh, they're okay. Uh, I'm telling you to tweet them, but I've tweeted a couple of them. Um, I can read them to to people now. Just so I can lower the bar for humor, so that way when you come in, it's even better. Uh, let's see. So I'm scrolling through. Oh, here's one. Remember your car? <laughs> uh, how about this? I'm trying to read ones that would actually work. Um, oh, here's one. The one second everyday videos are going to be super boring this year. Not good. <laughs> uh, okay, I'll bite. What's the secret to eating with a mask on? <laughs> no? Okay. See, these are good. Uh this is just more an observation. When this is over, flights are going to cost a million dollars and daycare will be $10 million. Um, taking out the recycling is a top five task in my day. And you, you responded with, did it last night, selling a high, which is good. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I mean, that's pretty... And then I just did some fake Bane quotes for you when I had my mask on this morning when I went to the store. Are you on a... Do you have a mask now? Are you full-on I do not have a mask, actually. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know if I should should get that going. Uh, obviously, I'm not leaving the house too often, but I do go to the grocery store and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, I guess I should get one. I do, I do not have one, though. Katie made them for us. She mm, sewed them see? together. Yeah. So that's good. I could not have done that but i saw man it was the mask increase from last week to this week i go to the store once a week and it's interesting to see the changes that happen each week way more glass up around the registers this week they slid the receipt through a hole instead of handing it to you okay um, at at buy store i I, actually and i went to another grocery store after that too because there was one item i was missing and they did not have any I don't even think they had glass up with the other one. But at the H-E-B, the, the nice H-E-B by my house, they had the, not glass, but the plastic over not just the checker, but the bagger area too. And then they put the receipt through. And about, I'd say 60% of the people there had masks on, customers and employees. Mm. So Okay. So if everyone else is wearing a mask, I should be good though. I can be the one guy not wearing a mask and be, be covered. Yeah. I mean, in theory... <laughs> Um, that's the perfect solution okay everyone in the world get one so i don't have to make one people were yelling at each other in line this time which was new oh, that's fun that had that, yeah. that hadn't happened before there's a little bit of like social distancing gone haywire uh we're mm. to like the second part where the novelty is worn off i mean the novelty wore off after about one minute but it's really wearing thin on people and i don't like where this is headed jace i'm gonna tell you i liked being able to move around a lot more than this yeah it's I'm with you. Um, you know, this whole like, hey, if you had told me, hey, I'm going to get a month plus off work, I'm like, awesome. I'm yeah. going to do so many things. They didn't involve different parts of my house. Um, so that's <laughs> that's the bummer because, you know, otherwise I could be having a grand old time. Yes. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's it's not quite as not quite as fun. I mean, like, the walks are nice, you know, I'm 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 aiming next week. I'm aiming for 30 miles. So total. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. So we'll see. I should be around 25 this week, so. In one walk? No. <laughs> For the week. You should walk the, the the six meter length of your garden like the guy in Great Britain did to raise money for that's, charity. That's true. And I did try to go for a run, and it took about 25 minutes, and my knee started really aching. And I was like, yep, pretty sure that was going to happen, but uh, gave it a shot. It took 25 minutes for it to start hurting? Yeah. Well, that's not bad, though. That's better than no, five minutes. No, but then I, you know, then it's like I, I've been intermittently throwing in some, you know, like just, just little jogs like for a block or something, and that seems to be okay, but I just, it just won't let me, conti- you know, do it continuously. Are you walking with Johnny Football or are you walking by yourself? Usually just myself in, oh, a, wow. in a podcast or a book. Um, wow. Okay. You know, I feel like people are releasing more podcasts than normal and like- And people are listening like, less. Yeah, that's what's going on. But no, I be, but it's like it's pod, some of my favorite podcasts are like, hey, here's some from our paid feed for you because uh, you got nothing else to do. And I'm like, okay, I have so many podcasts I have to listen to now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm re-listening through like all the NBA drafts from the 90s that people are doing. And <laughs> it's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> uh, that's impressive. That's impressive. Um, well, the lead story in the running world is Elliot Kipchoge was in GQ. I think that's pretty much what we got this Good. week. Yeah. I I mean, which is, hey, I'm all for Ilya Kipchoge getting some, like, major recognition, right? People read GQ, I think. People read magazines, maybe. Is it outside of airports, I don't think I've touched a magazine in a long time. Um, but 
I mean, some of these pictures, I'm like, yeah, man, that's a good look. And other ones, I'm like, I'm not a fashion maven, but that looks ridiculous. <laughs> um, I'm never going to be a pro suit with shorts guy. I just think it's a dumb look. And it's nothing, you know. Right. It, it might be stylish. I've seen NBA players do it. You know, but it just, to me, looks ridiculous. What, what bothers you more, suit with shorts or the no sock with suit look and the high <sighs> pants? You know, I would never do the no sock because that seems incredibly uncomfortable. And I know they have like the no show socks and stuff too. But like, I, I just, I don't like that look, but I, like, I could at least understand it. Like it's, you know, I, I, I just don't, I, the shorts with, with suit is, is a ridiculous thing to me. But okay. So it's just hilarious. So you, so you click on this article, right? And I still yeah. have not, I've looked at these pictures for probably an hour and I have not read the article yet, which I probably should do. Um, I read most of it. Yeah. But in uh, some of these outfits, I'm like, like he's got this this suit that's uh, it's like got a weird like r- like purplish sheen, purple mm-hmm. orange sheen. I'm like that actually that's that's pretty awesome. Like I, I respect that. It's a cool looking suit. Um, but then the next picture is a Nike tank top, pink jacket, <laughs> it's and so awesome. like, bell bottom <laughs> pants. Like it's a very weird look. The next one around. <laughs> and then the but I get it. Like GQ is like, hey, I'm not you know. I, I'm not. I don't. I don't take any risks with fashion. Let's say that. Um. So I'm. I'm not necessarily going to pretend I know what I'm talking about. I didn't think he could pull this stuff off, but he's. I think he's at least pulling it off. It may not be for you or for me, but like, for sure. It, it like he he can wear a suit, right? Like he can yeah, wear. Yeah. No, absolutely. Like there's certain people who who can wear a suit. So this first that you turn you click on this link, right? He's in the middle of a dirt road, a dirt road that you associate yep. with running, right? He's wearing these yep. like red. He's staring right at you. Red sunglasses. He's got the suit, but with the shorts. Then he's got ankle high Nike like white Nike high. socks. And, sorry, calf high, calf high. That have only previously been worn by every single high school coach in America. Though they have bought <laughs> the entire supply of those socks, and they look awesome on Kipchoge. And then you look underneath in the caption: the shirt six hundred thirty dollars, shorts eight hundred ninety dollars. They're by Fendi. The shoes, uh, $795, and then it says socks, 22 and then parentheses, for six pairs. <laughs> like, why do they include yeah, that detail? $415 sunglasses. And I'm not against the sunglasses. They look kind of like goggles, but okay, do your thing. Um, the next one is a much more like, you know, that like Kenyan-like inspired or something thing like i i'm all for this one this is i think this one's cool mm-hmm. um and then then he's got like the open shirt looks like he's going clubbing in this like yeah. uh kind of shiny green shirt with a with a gold chain a little bit then a track suit with like a monk's robe um which is a weird look but i respect it um and like i said then the suit i think this is the best the best of the group right here this next suit uh, purple and orange the one where he has like, his hands up sh- in the air sh- shiny one yeah, yeah. I, i'm just like that's it takes a lot of like i i, I know i couldn't pull it off because i don't have that kind of kind of confidence i've never run uh 159 or 201 or 200 but whatever but yeah like i think you, i think you could pull that off so um, the one above that though the one where he's wearing those those glasses my colleague yes. lincoln i think said he looks like sort of like a bond villain in this one uh, yeah, I could see that. The coat is $2600 and the jacket's oh. 80 bucks. I mean, he really looks like in that picture he's going to kill you. Either he's going to yeah. 
run and physically kill you because he's so fast. No, he's, he's going to hire Rommel Guliev to kill right, him. Yes. He doesn't get his hands dirty. <laughs> right. It's one of those two things. Either he's going to aerobically kill you and he's going to take off the robe and he's already in the Nike running gear to kill you that way. Or you're right. He's going to call up Guliev and you're going to be gone. You're just going to be gone. That's going to be it, yeah, right? You, you don't stand a chance. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, that suit that you like is $5,900. And if you had... Perfect. If you weren't married yet, I would have done. I would have asked for another PayPal donation so you could wear the, or I can't even pronounce this, Ermeniglio Zenga XXX shirt, nine hundred eighty dollars shoes by Gucci. Socks there are twenty nine dollars just for one pair. Okay, not the. So tw- I, could the sho- I could get the socks going though. I mean that's more than I would ever spend on socks normally for thirty dollars a pair. Yeah. Um, you got some Jimmy Choo shoes in the next one. I mean the the next. Yeah, the next one the, with the pink jacket and the tank top and that that might I don't know if it's that one or the shorts one that I dislike the most, but it's But he's by the gate, like in the one where he's just like got his legs crossed in front of the gate where it says global sports. He just yeah. I mean, it looks pretty cool. But Again, he yeah, like he still kinda of pulls it off. I just the, the more the outfit in general, um, I can't get behind. So okay, go down and one more to that robe where he's just like yeah, his eyes close. Sixty. Get in the morning paper. Sixty three hundred dollars in the a Dior <laughs> robe. Have you ever? You've never worn anything that's sixty three hundred dollars, right? Oh God, no. Has any? Have you ever totaled like between your watch, your sunglasses, whatever you're wearing? Has that ever been sixty three hundred dollars? No, not even in the ballpark. Have you ever held anything that's sixty three hundred dollars? Um. Hmm. That's a good question. I mean, maybe for like a you know. I'm trying to think if like I was ever like in a picture where I got to hold something, you know, that wasn't mine. Um, like the, you know, I'm trying to think like the, the thing I own, like own that's the most expensive, you know, outside of like a car. Yeah, have you ever house. touched anything? Yeah. You've been in something that's $6,300, right? We yes. Know that with the car. Yes. I, I've passed by that um, threshold. You, but have you touched something that's even $6,300 and he's just wearing this robe like it's nothing. Yeah. That's the next suit actually after that kind of looks like what I would predict him to wear. Like as it's yeah. like a, beige-ish kind of suit um and it's just it's very like oh okay yeah that's what it would look like with tennis shoes like it just like if i yeah. invited kipchoge to my wedding this is what he'd show up in and i'd be like yeah dude why didn't we invite him to the wedding i know it's so stupid actually i will say the next one after that with the leather pants good look and like feet kicked that that's a cool look i i, I like this one a lot yeah uh people can scroll along at home as we're talking about this um the one where he's wearing the suit with the running shoes, I said he looks like a substitute teacher. A very cool yeah. substitute teacher. But the right. whole uh, science teacher, probably. Because, I mean, the, the suit with no tie, but but sneakers on, yeah, that's a very that's a very teacher-y look. Very yeah. science teacher look. Yeah, he could be like an assistant NBA coach, too. Oh, with this. Well, it says an NBA coach in like the, like the 80s or the 90s. Those yeah, guys are really well-dressed now. And I, yeah. I mean, is that an acceptable look? I mean, I guess if you're doing it in GQ, it is. But I just, I always thought sneakers with a suit was just sort of. You know, the, you know, it's, it's kind of become a thing. Um, I like again, I I'm not at the cutting edge of this, but my, my buddy Larson, who you know, uh, wears very nice suits because it's you know part of his job and stuff like that, and he will wear like like you have to wear like really nice sneakers or like you know like some sort of Jordans or like you know something that's you're not wearing your New Balances generally with Ooh. the with the suit, but Shots if you fired. can. Uh, Sorry, guys. Um, but yeah, if you, I think if you have like a nice, expensive uh, sneaker, it'll, it, it goes with a suit now. Like that's a thing people do. And those ones count? The ones he's wearing? 
Uh, I mean, I, I don't know well enough. Apparently, they're $180 Nikes. Uh, well, yeah. They don't really look like the style to me. It's a running shoe. I mean, yeah, I guess the other ones are more like basketball-type shoes, aren't they? I guess Air Max 90... People wear Air Max 95s and all the time, right? With nice clothes. Yeah. I think that's, sort of, that's a look. <sighs> yeah, so Lincoln and I debated whether or not Kipchoge is now cooler than Bolt. Ooh. And we came... We both agreed that the answer was yes... Uh, that co- that clip got like posted on Flowtrack's Instagram. People just called us like disinterring dorks. But I'm like, no, I don't really think. I I think I think we're right on this. No, um, I don't think you are. I'm sorry. Bolt Bolt's definitely cooler. Because Bolt has the effortless cool. Like like Kipchoge is cool in the sense of like, it's like he's just he's kind of above everything. Like way where he I generally you know he's he's so. I think he's so comfortable in his own skin and like doesn't even register like like I said when, when all the times he's like trash talked has actually just been him like being a nice genuine person and doesn't realize he's doing it and like there's something to be said for that kind of confidence and that kind of just like this is who I am but like Bolt's like outwardly cool see I think I think the complete opposite I think Kipchoge tries less which is what makes him cool Kipchoge's no I, that's not- what I'm saying yeah, I think I think Kipchoge does try. Like, I don't think he's even effortless. So I do think he is cool, but I think like Bolt is just like I don't know. I guess it depends on your definition of cool. It does. I just think Bolt has the dancing, has the big persona, puts the shirt with his face on it. Kipchoge doesn't need to do any of that stuff. Kipchoge has this aura about him, this glow. He doesn't go to New York to be in GQ or go into LA to go in GQ. No, they come to him on a dirt road in E10 and they say, put on this $6,000 robe and he does it and he looks like this. I compared it, the, the, the analogy that probably a lot of people didn't like, I said, Bolt's the person you think is cool in high school and Kipchoge is the person or the band you think is cool in high school and Kipchoge is the, the band you think is cool mm. in college. Um, to which Lincoln called Bolt Green Day. <laughs> and and I don't listen to Radiohead, but I know people really like Radiohead, so I said it was Kipchoge Radiohead. Also, there's what he says too, right? Yeah. Like like all these – I haven't read this profile, but every other profile, it's like I went to write about Ilya Kipchoge, but instead he taught me about myself. Like <laughs> you don't get that with Bolt so much. It's like, oh, yeah, he's fun and, and – uh, Bolt, yeah, the the personality. If you're if you want to party, that's your guy. Yeah, he's just larger than life in a way. Like I think, as you know, in in a way, you know, like obviously, hey, there you have the best sprinter of all time. You have the best marathoner of all time. Like I mean, it's they're, they're on similar levels as athletes. Um, but there is something even more larger than life. I think about Bolt, where like I feel like if you saw both of them, you'd be more comfortable trying to have a conversation with Kipchoge. Um, even though I'd probably still be starstruck. Really? See, Kipchoge. But. I, that's interesting. I would now. This will never happen, so we can never. No, pr- of course. Prove this, but I would. I would think it'd be easier for Bolt. There's just this mysticism about Kipchoge, and he's he's nice, and they both seem like n- nice people, but. There's just this this kind of this this glow about him. I don't know what it is. Well, so Brian's actual question wasn't about cool. I hijacked that one. It was: Is it possible that Kipchoge is the most well known track and field athlete in the world? To which I think it's still Bolt. By yeah, it's still Bolt. Yeah. 
um, like my my non-running friends, obviously all of them know Usain Bolt. And if you said, who's the person who broke two, I don't think they would know. Now, if I said, does Elliot Kipchoge sound familiar? They might be like, yeah. Yeah, but, I think that's, yeah. It's Bolt reached a level of fame. I mean, and fastest man in the world, like that's always going to be more famous than the best marathoner in the world. Yes, yes. The way it is. Do you remember? Do you remember after he broke two and the way everybody talked about him? His can his pacers who were also oh yeah like that. That's what I'm talking about. I was just an honor to be out here. Like maybe maybe oh yeah, he is universally like just like so respected and it, it, it's just I guess yeah I guess cool has this different you know can have this different vibe to it. But like I, I totally see what you mean. But there is Bolt apps or uh, Kipchoge absolutely has like that. Like you know, as much respect as you could possibly have, like in in, in your field, you know, like he's he is beloved and like there's no one saying bad you know stuff about him. Yeah, yeah, and and Bolt like Bolt didn't really have the opportunity because there was there wasn't a breaking nine six project for everybody to like line up right and tell tell him how great he was, but just the it's it's the, the combination of the the personality, the accomplishments. And also, I think the fact that he's a little reserved, I think, adds a little bit there. I was trying to look up the almost famous quote about cool um, while we were doing this, and I've failed. So, you know, so here's, uh, and there's no, I'm not not saying one's better than the other. So, Eli Kipchoge is your Tim Duncan, and Usain Bolt is more Michael Jordan. Now, like they're both. So my point you know, stands among the greatest ever. <laughs> But I mean, like, like Tim Duncan, like he doesn't have this, you know, like there's so many pictures of him in these like dad jeans and like, just like stuff like that. And you're just kind of like, oh, this is just like the most regular dude, but seems so awesome. And everyone loves him. Cause how can you not love Tim Duncan? Um, but I guess it's just, yeah, like again, a matter of what you could, what you deem cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're not judges of cool. Cause we got ripped for not thinking Britney no, Spears is, uh, for not thinking toxic was Britney Spears' best song. People are making fun of us about that. Oh, I. Yes, I did see that, which... But that was like Ray. Ray's like twice as old as us, so who knows. I just think the whole element of like... Talks, it's fine. Like, it's, you know... I just think the whole element of like... Bolt bolt trying really hard. And it was... But but also, do you think that's... I, I, I always felt like he was being true to himself in that way, too, though. Like, he wasn't... Try, like it wasn't like he was putting on a show for people. I just felt like that's exactly who he was. I think he's naturally a fun loving guy, but it's just like, okay, he's got to have a dance ready for the pre pre show. Oh, he's got to do this thing. And that's cool. Like it's, it's great. And it's fun because not everybody does it. So it makes him stand out a little bit, but I think it was just extra stuff put on there. Whereas like Kipchoge just lets, I don't know. He does more with less is, is what I'm trying to say. And that uh, that makes I think that draws people a little more. There's just more mystery there, right? Like you yeah. kind of you kind of knew. Fair. I think that's uh, true. And when he, when he does celebrate, right? It's awesome, right? Kipchoge because like he breaks character. He's not just like I'm this guy who's like a machine running along. I don't know. Yeah, no, I I definitely know what you mean. It, it's it's they're, they're two very different. Uh, different people but i'm glad that both both kinds exist i wouldn't want everyone to be usain bolt and i wouldn't want everyone to be Eli kipchoge right that's a good way to put it um either way kipchoge much better week 
or last month or last couple of years in Wilson Kipsang, who after getting a whereabouts Oof. violation, now he's been arrested in Kenya, Jason, for <laughs> being at a club past curfew because of the coronavirus. Kenya has a 7 p.m. curfew and he was at this club with 20 or so people at 9 p.m. And they tried to kick them out. Did not go well. And then he was arrested. Now, he's got the whereabouts violation, obviously. And then I see this last sentence here. I didn't even know this one, Jace. Yeah, I just saw this, too. This is from The Standard in, in Kenya. It says, Kip Sang was last December involved in a road accident that extensively wrecked his car in what was suspected to be a case of drunken driving. So, not going well for for Wilson Kipsang. Hope he gets this gets this no, on the right didn't track. Realize Kipsang was such the partier. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's surprising. I, you know, like in it, you know, it, the coronavirus. This is all obviously very serious. And like, hey, you should not be hanging around twenty people partying. Like, that's not a smart thing to do at all. If it wasn't for you know the state, the world's in this would be an easy story to laugh at because it's like, Hey, he locked himself in the party. And like, that's, <laughs> he wouldn't have needed to do it. Like if there a wasn't ridic- a coronavirus. Though, it's so. a ridiculous thing to do. You know, like yeah. it's, it's, it's kind of just a funny, stupid thing to do. Uh, but it was really stupid. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what Kip Sang's deal is though, but yeah, if he had a DUI or maybe got out of it because he's wasn't Kip Sang, um, just a few months ago and now he's, he's doing this. Like, ah, not, not great, man. Yeah. We don't want to, we don't want him to go down this this road. I wonder what the I want to know the full story on the whereabouts violation. Like, was he just basically like retiring, so he just stopped doing it? Like, what? Yeah. Um, was he partying? Yeah. And, was it was it like a Chinese swimmer yeah. where he smashed it with a vial? Like, what was going on here? Yeah, it's yeah, and and Kip Sang's getting nothing. Like, yeah, he could absolutely be like, hey, his career's basically done at this point because you know his peak was five years ago six years ago mm-hmm. um but yeah i don't know i don't know what his deal is but don't don't do what wilson kip Sang did yeah listen pose in shorts and a suit jacket it's fine <laughs> so i'm saying kip kip just puts the pressure on everybody it's like not only do you not need to be the fastest marathoner in the world you need to uh be in be in gq here um all right should we go to email yeah lots of emails. yes a bunch of them i put them all in a doc and it's 25 pages so let's get rolling here <laughs> Um, and it's so big that the doc is moving very slowly. So I'm actually going to delete this as, as I go in hopes that that'll speed it up. Not brother Colin writes in, has there ever been a man who at a single point in his career was capable of running the women's world record in every track event, ignoring hurdles. If the answer to that is no, then has there ever been, been anyone who over the course of his career had the ability to hit every women's record? If the answer to that is also no, then what if we change the requirements from running 10, four, six for the hundred? It's ten forty nine, isn't it? Didn't, isn't that? Did they, so. did they make? Did they make the women's world record? Can you fact check me on that one? Did they make the women's world record faster? Uh, Why? It's already too fast. <laughs> uh, to running faster with a flying start than Flojo could with a flying start. Um. Well, you're probably gonna think Donovan Brazier can do it because you think Donovan Brazier can run like ten <laughs> two in the hundred. Um, no, but I don't. I don't. Think could he anybody, run ten four? Um. No. Could David Rudisha run 10-4 in his prime? No. I think so. No. No. 
I don't think they could. I don't think there's anybody who can run 10-4 and then run, what What did Ayana run? 29-17? That's fast. Because I would, yeah, I would say if if, if you think Radisha can run 10-48, I, I'm betting on him being able to beat all of the distance records. You think he could run 29? I think I think your 800 runner is your, really your only shot, right? Yes. To cover both yes. sides. The, there's no uh, way the, the there's no way the 400 runner can do the distance stuff and there's no way the 1500 meter runner can do the sprint stuff. Unless exactly, the 1500 yeah, exactly. runner so is I, I, morally, mo- mostly an 800 runner. Yes. Yeah, so I'm betting on David Rudisha. I I you know, I, I think like obviously I don't think like hey, you, in 2012 you throw him on for 100 and he immediately runs 1048, but I think if you gave him a little bit of training towards that same with for the 10,000, like, cause it's saying, could anyone have done it? Like, so if that was his goal over the course of three to five years was trying to figure out all these, I do think David Rudisha could have done it. Yeah. It's a short list. He's my only, he's my only bet. I mean, you always do this though, with these hypotheticals, like if they could train for an indefinite period of time and it's like, I can't, I can't put myself in that world, Jason. I can only stay in this world where they're doing 800 meters. I training. mean, do you have any doubt David Rudisha could have broken the 10,000 meter world record for the women if he spent like a month getting ready for it? The 10,000 record or the 100 record? Yeah, the 10,000. Um, yeah, I mean, that's still a long way. Things could go it wrong. Is. I mean, how many, like, how many chances mean, does he have? Yeah, I mean, but like, it's the point is, could he do it? You know, it's not, it's not yeah. like he only gets one shot to do, to do all these. It's like, could he have done it in his career? I think I, I feel good about his chances in all of those. Yeah, you just, when you get to the 10, though, I mean, you just get to, it's a long time on the feet. And some of those 800 meter runners, like Donovan Brazier is famously like low mileage, right? So they would have to change training considerably to to give that one a shot and that's a fast time too i mean 20 like that because she cut whatever seconds off does this count does this include the steeple too or is that probably with the hurdles that doesn't he's talking about hurdles and steeple so because that would be a hard uh, yeah, one too. yeah i mean yeah i would think radisha would be, and especially if you get to use the lower barriers too that'd probably be helpful yeah he could just stop and walk over them and be fine i mean he has to run in 844 in the 3000 i think he'd be fine um okay then he asks yeah. this is not brother colin still if there were distance medley and sprint medley relays run in which each team was comprised entirely of clones of one runner which current runner male or female would be the best picks for each relay real life has sort of answered for one of these questions with Safan Hassan. so for this exercise let's say she isn't an option Okay, so he, he distance medley is that what we said? Distance and sprint. So sprint. Oh, and sprint. Sprint will go the two two four eight style, and then distance medley will do the normal way. Okay, so distance. I mean, if you're going with current athletes, like again, I feel like an eight hundred guy is kind of where you want to go. Um, I'd be tempted to to take Donovan Brazier in this one. Um, I'm trying to think if there's somebody who I think would do do better. I'd go chariot um, just because it all comes down to the mile anyway, and then you have the 1200 leg, which is longer than an 800 meter specialty. So I'd, I'd right. go chariot. Uh, yeah, I think I think it could be close between those two. Um, for the women, I mean, 
is the greatest Hassan. I mean, Hassan would be would be up there for sure. I mean, she's yeah, it's Hassan. Um, I was trying to think of a good argument outside of Semenya. Maybe Semenya is actually your argument. Um, yeah, those is are the she two allowed there. To yeah, I'm gonna say yes. Yeah, I mean, Ajay Wilson, I think would be good. I mean, you yeah. move up a little bit. Someone like Shelby or our Laura or Kip Yegon. Anybody in that ridiculously fast fifteen hundred, I don't, I don't like would be would be really good um, for the sprint medley. Ooh, that's that's an interesting question. Is it you know like a, a, a healthy Van Niekirk would have been my choice? Um, Noah Lyles, you know, <laughs> hey, do I trust him to get through that four? <laughs> There's an eight at the end of it. You need a good eight hundred runner. I go. Oh, Emmanuel. there is an eight. Yeah, I was. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I go Emmanuel Career. He made. He didn't make the. He made the final in the four hundred at Worlds and not the final in the eight hundred. And he's he did. That was so weird. That was so crazy. I, I was go, uh, for some reason. I was yeah, thinking of the one one two four, and I was like, oh, that would make sense. But yeah, two two four eight. That's. Yeah, you need. Uh, I'd actually put Brazier here. I'd put Brazier here before I would put him in the DMR. I think if mm. I could only use him in one, I would probably put him here. Well, you don't think he could even run 22 seconds in the 200. That's going to hurt you. Yeah, but if he's the second bat, he just walks everybody down on the 800. I mean, there's no there's no 800 guy that you could put out there who would be better at the 200 than him. So you'd have to put a 400 guy to be better at him than the 200 or 200 guy, which would be too far, I would think. And every single 400 guy, he'd be what? How many seconds? Fa- I mean... Those can those guys run like one forty nine, one forty eight. I mean Van Van yeah, Niekerk. I, think so. I mean peak Van. I mean Michael Norman doesn't strike me as like a guy who could run like a fast eight. He's not like he's he's a, a four two guy. Obviously, then there's not really any four eight. There's not right. really any four eight people anymore except for the manual career. So yeah, Brasher could be down by a couple seconds, and he'd just hawk everybody down in the in the eight hundred. I would think. He's just so much better. Yeah, like I mean, he's, I mean, I know we're basing this just on Doha, but like him in the eight and Chariot in the fifteen hundred. Do you remember how bad they dominated those fields? Like they were so clearly the best runners in those fields. It makes right. the question a little bit clearer to me because it's not like oh, there's these three eight hundred guys that are really close together. What are the women? Yeah, it's interesting though because if you have, if you had, let's let's just throw Norman out there and say he's a one forty nine guy. Um, so let's say he loses, you know, six sec, six to seven seconds in the eight. Like he's gonna beat him in the four by what two, and he's gonna uh, beat him in the two hundred by two plus each time. That's gonna it's gonna get interesting. Wait, you're saying he's gonna beat him by him more in the two hundred than in the four hundred? No, so I mean, it's going to be like two hundred. It's going to be like you know two seconds each on the on each one of those, close to it. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, like, so you're comparing Norman to Brazier here? Is that what you're doing? Yeah, let's just see. Yeah, I'll say Norman and Brazier. So what does Brazier run in the two? Brazier, well, he's a he's a ten one hundred guy. No, he. Let's see. (laughs) Let's just be conservative here. Let's just mm. say he runs. 
I don't know, 20, between 22 and 23, 25, okay. 20, 25. I mean, that's, I think that's doable. Yeah. Handoffs are bad because he's so not he's losing on the... over five seconds. He's losing over five seconds in just the 200. Right, right, right. And then he goes, uh, in, in the 400, I think he could split a 45. So then let's say he gets, so then he's eight seconds back, right? And yeah. the, and he runs a 142. Uh, I st- and then so 150 is the t- break even. Like that's, it's a, it's a close race. Well, okay, so Warner, I just looked this up, Warner. Now Warner did it later on in his career, but it's when he was kind of training for it, ran 153 in the 800. So I don't think, I don't think Norman being. Warner was kind of, kind of cooked a little bit. Though. Yeah, but he was also actually training for it. Um, or at least a little, like it wasn't like they just threw him in for fun. So I, I think under one, like that, that top group, oh, you know who would be interesting? I'm surprised you didn't say this person. Hmm. Cause this person might actually be better than Norman and comes from the sprint side of things. And you think he's the greatest athlete ever to compete in track and field. Carson Warholm. Ooh, Warholm would be good. I mean, Warholm would be better in the 800 than all the 400 meter runners, right? Yeah, I think so. I think that's pretty safe. Um, so he actually might have a better chance of beating it. I he, I would still go Brazier. I would still go Brazier. But I think of that next group, I would put him and like Benjamin up there before the 400 meter mm. runners. Now you would put Benjamin 17th. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd I'd put a guy who doesn't have a you know has a bronze medal and not one of the best runners of the decade. Are you talking about but, all? You know, are you talking about like, all decade runner Abdurham and Samba? Is that, is that who you mentioned? <laughs> <laughs> absolutely who i mentioned uh he would be in there too he would make the final in this event no i i think it would be a lot of 800 meter <laughs> runners but i think the best the best of I, the I non- think, i, I mean runners. this is what would make it very interesting war homewood i i think oh i think that's what makes it like see even like oh. the 400 guys yeah. it's like man how much like because there's probably there's a couple 400 meter guys and maybe norman would be an awful 800 you know just wouldn't translate to 800 at all but maybe steven gardner would translate two seconds better in the eight for whatever reason. You know, like it's who knows, but there yeah. would probably be someone who's a 400 runner who, who actually would, would be great at this. And it might not be one of those two. Maybe it's Fred Curley, who knows? Um, but like, and, and you know, maybe Brazier, maybe Brazier's the best pick of, of the 800 guys, but maybe his like 200 speed is going to kill him. I just think whatever he loses in the know. whatever anybody loses in the two hundred is negligible compared to what they get in the eight hundred, and he's so much better than everybody in the eight hundred right now. Um, I mean Amos, but see, is Amos better in the two hundred than Brazier? No, right? There's no there's no way that's happening. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Total stab in the dark, right? Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, I, I just guessed Brazier twenty two five. He might have been. I mean, he might be running twenty flats or something in practice. I don't know. Like I'm just I'm just saying. He would be behind. He would obviously lose time over a, a a sprinter, but I think if he's anywhere close, like if he's in that seven eight second range, I think he's fine. Um, the women two two four eight for the women. Semenya obviously is the pick because she might make the Olympic team in all those events, um, <laughs> and that's a good place to start. Um, yeah, if you don't have Semenya as the option, then I guess do, do you go back to? Uh, you know the four hundred hurdles, and you do Sydney or you do Muhammad. Yeah, yeah. Wilson though, 
Wilson's fast. We know that, right? She can run Wilson a Wilson would be a good one too. Yeah, she can run a really good 400. I just th- this thing is weighted so just like the DMR, it's weighted so much to the last last event there. Um dude, the sprint medley should be a I know people talk about adding new Olympic events all the times, but like sprint medley should be added because the 800 is a cool race and any way you can sneak it into the program, you should try to get get it in there. And if it just turns into a de facto 800, okay, cool. Every 800 is awesome. Well, yeah, and that's well, that's the problem with the sprint medley in general. But that's where it gets interesting is, is the sprint medley with all the same people doing the events. Because then, because if you have the two second advantage in the eight hundred, you can't get it back between roughly equivalent two hundred meter runners and and four hundred meter runners. Like there's just not enough time. Yeah. But you know, it, it's it's so hard to know because you you know obviously when's the last time Paige Wilson ran a two hundred? Like it, I was yeah. at a practice, obviously, but yeah. it just seems. Like, yeah, she's probably not great at it. Hunter writes in, listen to this week's pod on my run yesterday and your conversation about the effects slash silver linings of moving the Olympics back here got me thinking, are there any doping bans that would be over by next year that would not have been if they were held this summer? I apologize if this got brought up later in your podcast. I think it did. I'm not exactly putting in 90 think, minutes yeah, I think we did talk. on my runs these days, so I only got maybe halfway through before I stopped to pretend to have to stretch and call it a day. <laughs> uh... So four-year ban. So somebody who got banned in 2017. I mean, no one jumps out right now. You know what? This is a, a silver lining. Uh, you know whose case is supposed to be adjudicated in August, right? And is currently serving a ban. That's right, folks. Alberto Salazar. Who can't get behind that? Oh, right? man. <laughs> yeah, that's a good question. I, yeah, I can't think of anyone. There's probably... I'm sure there's somebody who's... Just because there's been enough doping bans and like somebody probably will benefit from this. I, yeah, that'll be really interesting. I'm sure it'll, it'll come out. But if anybody thinks of any, please let us know. Cause I'm, I'm drawing a blank on, it's always hard. Like, especially on a four year ban. It's like, we almost forget those runners existed. <laughs> yeah. And then they come back and it's, do you still go here? Yeah. Uh, Brian, <laughs> Brian in Knoxville passed along a link, uh, twitter.com slash Strava wankers, W N K E R S. These are folks that spell stuff out on Strava, Jace on their runs. They make cool shapes. Oh, okay. You should do this like on it. your walks. Right? Maybe I should. Because if you're walking 30 miles I... at a time, you could spell some cool stuff. <laughs> I'm doing more four miles, and but... So you um, could you could spell yeah, some I stuff. I downloaded Strava, and then I was like, oh, it costs something. It's not worth it if I'm not running, you know? So I found this other one that I'm doing. Wait, but... it costs? It doesn't cost. There might be a oh, pre- really? yeah. There might be a premium plan. Pop- I'm not paying anything. I mean, I hope not. Oh, uh, okay. That's why I can't get a home loan. Yeah, it popped up with like uh, I don't know, whatever it was, fifty bucks a year or something like that, and I was like, oh, that's not worth it. I think that's a premium option. Well, maybe I don't know. Yeah, you can create a profile. I think that's free. No, I did create a profile. That is that did happen. Okay, and then what happens when you plug but- in your device? It tells you you have to pay fifty bucks. I don't know. It just like I like started it off and um, was starting it like before I started walking, and then it said something about the the fifty buck thing, and I was just like, eh, I'll just look at some other ones too. And then it's very possible it, I could have just bypassed it, and maybe it would have been fine. Uh, let's go to Trevor. Couple thoughts related to the last episode. This is Trevor in sunny SoCal. A new event, the eight hundred meter hurdles, was imagined, and it was also asked who would excel slash survive in such event. The answer is obvious. 1972 four-meter hurdle champ John Akiabua from Uganda. 
He was an absolute beast doing such legendary workouts as 1,500 meter repeats with hurdles and a weight vest. Oh, my God. Unreal. (laughs) There's an incredible documentary on him on YouTube called The John Akiabua Story, an African Tragedy. I think that's by... That's by the same guy who did 979, who we interviewed on the show. Oh, okay. Daniel Gordon. Yeah, yeah. And I think, yeah, the whole thing's on YouTube. Some people might want to watch that. Uh, Caster Shemenya and her range, I think it's worth mentioning a couple other folks, namely Yarmila Krachikova and maybe Maria Mutola. Krachikova obviously is the 800-meter world record holder at 153, but she also ran 47.99 and 21.97. Not to mention 110900. Can't find a 1500 for her, but I'm sure she would have been at least within sniffing distance of Semenya. Discussions regarding potential advantages for both these athletes abound. It's an interesting way of putting it. <laughs> but based purely on the numbers, it's an interesting comparison. Utola was dominant at the 800 in her career and also ran 51.3 and 401.50. Not as impressive of a 400, 200. Or sorry, not as impressive of a 400 and no 200 I can find, but with her powerful build, I could at least see it as a possibility. Last two questions. Requests for fellow House of Run listeners to keep us all entertained during our current track desolation. One, any good track documentaries or movies that are worth watching. Two, what's the coolest piece of track memorabilia that's in your collection? Why is it the best? I'm particularly fond of collecting old Olympic jerseys and keeping tickets slash paraphernalia from meets that I attend, which always bring back great memories. Until next time, that is Trevor from Sunny SoCal. P.S. I was barely a mediocre hurdler, so I'm still trying to figure out exactly how I can transitively beat Eliud Kipchoge. And he adds, what to stream during it's these trying one. times? One word, Velocipaster. You can thank me later. <laughs> I'm not familiar with that. I mean, I'm in. Was that Velocipastor, like the pork? I don't know what that means. Oh. <laughs> um, I mean, it always comes back to Mexican food for Kevin. Yeah. So let me give you, let me give Trevor maybe a potential way he can beat Eli Kipchoge. So if you are a four-meter hurdler, mm. if you're a four-meter hurdler, you need to think of ways to and you want to beat Kipchoge, you got to get into the distance realm, right? So the way yeah. you got to get in the distance realm is you got to get at least an a- 800s, right? And Brandon Johnson, mm-hmm. Brandon Johnson, who was a good 800-meter runner for a while for, for the U.S., used to run at the foreign hurdles. So maybe there's a way he transitively beat Brandon Johnson, and then Brandon Johnson beat somebody good in the 800, and then you start climbing from there. I challenge you, Trevor. Okay. I challenge you. You can do it. Those are the best type of uh, transitive wins. The ones that are completely out of left field. I like it. Do you have any cool pieces of track memorabilia? I've kept every credential I have. That's not very cool. Um, yeah, I've got, I've got my. I mean, I don't have many, but I have a couple. I got. I mean, I've told the story about Bernardo the God's hip number from the pre classic that one year that he accidentally gave me and stuck on my on uh, stuck to the side of the program I had. Although I don't even know where that is. I have. Let's see, I got some league medals. <laughs> uh, I got the cup. Yeah, Jason has the the MVP cup. Oh, no, first to the top. First to the top. That's right. That's what first it was. First to the top. That's right. He was the first person <laughs> at our school to win a league title in cross country. Because our school in was... In any sport, I think, right? Yeah, because we were only like three years old. Oh, in any sport, you think? Oh, I don't know about... I mean, I, had... I thought that's what they said. Somebody in golf. They were lying to you, Jason, to make you feel better. No, I don't know. I didn't win. I know that. So I'm not bitter about it at all either. It's really weird how quickly nope. I got over that. SATs. <laughs> uh, you were going to beat me anyway. I'll give you that one. You were you were on fire then. Um, yeah, memorabilia. I don't. 
I don't really collect stuff. I mean, a bunch of old race shirts. One fifties from high school. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much it. Let's do some other transitive wins. We got one here from. This is a good one. Yeah. This is from Josie. She's a high school runner from the Chicago suburbs. She's been listening to the pod for nice. about a year now, and I've recently been interested in the emails using the transitive property to have them beating some of the top of the top athletes. One of my teammates, Maggie, is one of the best runners in our state, and I used her to make one of my own. Illinois is home to Caitlin Hart, who is arguably one of the best high school runners in the country this past year at NXN. She didn't have the best performance, and Maggie actually beat her. This is where my research took off. My first race is a major cheat, but I was having a hard time finding anything else. Last month at the BU David Henry invite, Leanne Farber paced Jenny Simpson, but obviously Leanne didn't finish the race. So I used this as my opportunity as Caitlin Hart was also in the race. So Caitlin beat Leanne Farber, who beat Corey McGee at the 2019 Adrian Martinez Classic in the Mile. McGee beat Houlihan in the 2013 NCAAs in the 1500. Houlihan beat Simpson in Doha. Finally, Jenny won bronze in Rio, beating Safan Hassan. So that leads me to conclude that my teammate Maggie beat the mild world record holder. P.S. I beat Maggie at the Naper Prairie Conference cross-country meet during our seventh grade year, so this obviously means I also hold the mild world record as well. Absolutely do. But then she wrote back with an... Ad- That's impressive. No, no, it gets Doing better. Doing it while still in high school. It gets better. Oh. I'm back again an hour later. This is Josie again. But I figured out an even better way than before. So it starts with Maggie beating Caitlin Hart again at the 2017 NXN. Caitlin Hart beat London Colbreth the year before in 2016. Colbreth beat Caitlin Tui at NXN. Ooh. Uh, at the... Oh, sorry, sorry. Oh, yeah. And then at the 2019 Dr. Sander invite, Tui beat Eleanor Fulton in 3,000. Fulton then beat Jessica Hull in 1,000. Hull beat Coco in a 1,500. And then Coco beat Jenny Simpson in the 5,000 at the New Balance Indoor Grand Prix, which leads me back to Simpson beating Safan Hassan in Rio. So I conclude without cheating that my teammate has beaten the mile world record holder. <laughs> that's good. And like I said, you beat her. So done. So that's good. See, I see that and I think, Trevor, man, get it together. We got high school kids putting together <laughs> victories over mile world record holders. You could, the least you can do is beat Kipchoge, right? Um, Tom in Connecticut. He says, thank you to the listener who wrote in recently about beating Daniel Coleman as it actually allows me to participate. My only brush with greatness during my competitive track days, competitive in quotes, was getting trounced by Don Cabral in high school, but we're not writing in about who was the most famous person to beat you. Mine is Galen Rupp, if you're interested. Same. Same, Tom. You and I. Just too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Connected. 20, uh, or 2006 Oregon Twilight meet. You can look it up. If results still exist, the internet might have just started over at that point. <laughs> Ambie Burfett has run the Thanksgiving Day Manchester Road Race 57 consecutive years, winning nine times. Luckily for me, the 1968 Boston Marathon winner still toes the line in his mid-70s. And I'm over 40 years younger than him. He may have beaten me in 2015, but I've taken him down the last four years, giving me multiple wins over a Boston Marathon champ. Obviously, that's a great transitive win to have. And given Burfett's resume, I figured I could pick up a few more wins over famous runners now in their 70s. That turned out to be difficult. Bill Rogers and Jeff Galloway attended uh, Wesleyan during the same period as Burfoot. I assume he beat both of them at some point, but I can't find any proof. Burfoot twice finished sixth at NCAA cross country and finished sixth at the Fukuoka Marathon six months out of college, but I didn't recognize any names below him in the results. There is a 4,200-page PDF that has every Boston finisher from 1987 to 2000, but it's surprisingly God. difficult to navigate. The only name I recognize... Who Burfa beat was John Kelly, the younger, who uh, who won Boston in 1957 and twice qualified for the Olympics. Coincidentally, he was Burfa's high school coach. 
I wasn't able to find any other wins after about an hour of searching, but I was able to avoid B-list celebrities singing to me to stay inside. If anyone has a Tillis-Tapage of college results from the 1960s, please pass it along. That's Tom in Connecticut. Yeah, I mean, this is a little bit easier for recent victories. You get back into the 60s and the 70s. Even the 80s is tough. There was a day, kids, when not all the results were written down. So, yeah, I'm looking for your Twilight Meat results, but uh, having a hard time finding this. I can't find 2006 Oregon Twilight results. I'm I'm trying. I I don't know. Maybe I'm just looking poorly here. What if you it's look? Like, I can maybe just Galen in the 5K, right? Yeah. Yep. 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 I wonder. Yeah. If- so I found like the the results here, but it only has like it picked out a couple people from these. Like Rupp's on here. He finished fourth. Yeah, he was trying to get the stand. He needed to to get like a regional qualifying standard back then. They had um, yep fourteen ten, and he ran fourteen oh five. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, yeah, I was second to last. So you need results that have second to last in them for that to work. <laughs> uh, I was trying. Yeah, I and I believe I ran fifteen fifty five, but don't quote me on that out there. Uh, let's go to Zach. You ready for Zach? Absolutely. This is Zach, formerly from New Jersey, now from Northernish, New Jersey. <laughs> Drink anyway. I've been listening to you guys for about two years, almost a medium listener, first time emailer, er, mediocre former high school and college runner, now coaching cross country where I went to college. I was thinking the other day about former <laughs> high school stars and realized that a dog just bark in your house. I'm sorry, I sneezed. I oh, was trying to mute, but I couldn't uh, that was a serious, hit the wrong button. Serious sneeze. No, it's all good. Uh, anyway, ton of high school stars from New Jersey with national class. He says he got to see Ajay Wilson run an absurd 446 mile at the state meet. Nick Vena as a freshman throw 60 feet in the shot. Robbie Andrews, Rosa Twins, demolishing everyone like they were Kobayashi at a Memorial Day hot dog eating contest. Um, <laughs> anyway, he wants to know people who didn't pan out. He said that, you know, the Rosas, when they were healthy at Stanford, they were fantastic, but neither of them was healthy at the same time. So he's wondering about high school stars that didn't pan out when they went to college and beyond mm. long list. Yeah. I mean, there is, there's quite a, quite a few. We've, we've talked about some recently. Um, who, who sticks out to you? I mean, German Fernandez, obviously I mean, he won a, he, he was good for a time in, in college. Right. But he didn't reach the heights that people right. thought. And then certainly as, as a pro, uh, I mean, his high school state, meet results were just nuts like his whole senior year was was crazy from cross country on but the the times you know four flat mile at the high california state meet like solo like from the gun was crazy and then he doubles back and runs that stupid fast 3200 um and was really fast freshman year at oklahoma state he i mean recently he's the one who sticks out but then you get some more obscure people you have you know sprint people like obi moore who's a legend like the stuff that he did now that was older so not every race was categorized i feel like sometimes with the older people more of a mythology is built up around them because you didn't necessarily see all the races you might have seen just one or two right so you're like oh this person was invincible whereas the people now it's like well and also people now they're, just, they're racing all over the country too so they're they're picking up wins um so he would he would stick out as well too i mean but i mean the odds are you're not gonna pan out just numbers wise right you can just look back and think. Yeah, there's just so many things that could go wrong. I mean, that's... I mean, you see, you know, super high draft picks in every sport who just never really, you know, did anything. And it's... 
even hard you know it's even harder if you're coming from from a high school like it's just even more can go wrong and like it's you get like football players who played you know three years at the highest college level and then they come in the, the nfl and they can't do anything or nba players who played at unlv and were drafted number one overall by the Cavs and are <laughs> one of the worst picks in nba history <laughs> yeah they didn't go to the bulls though for you your sake he did not yeah. yeah, which was which was good. I mean, we at the time there was no chance he was going to go first um, overall, and then he did, and it was a mistake. And I could have told him that if they would have called me. Uh, let's go to Jay, medium time listener, second time emailer, formerly from Sioux City, Iowa, now from Iowa City, Iowa. Met up at USA's 2019. Oh, that's right, Jay's fast. Drink. Jay's fast. He came around with us. Um, he's of legit, course, he's literally. They're fast. all faster than we are. No, but he's like actually fast. Um, so in the midst of this global pandemic, I recently discovered the World Athletic Rankings. Someone posted them on Twitter, and I'm scrolling through and have, up to this point, really considered myself sub-elite and nowhere near the World Athletics ranking level. I realized, oh, wow, I beat number 170 and number 201 at different races last fall. Maybe I should be on here. After scouring the 280 names, I find a name absent from the list. So I search up my World Athletics profile, and that's where I need you guys because I have so many questions. So he found himself on the World Athletics <laughs> Rankings. For starters, three of my personal awesome. bests are not legal. Why? Should I have been drug tested after running attached to a D2 indoor meet? It also lists my half PR as 110 from four years ago when I ran 106 twice last fall, Des Moines and Indy half. Why didn't either of those count? If I go to results, Indy half shows up. Do they not know 106 is better than 110? Overall, very concerned that this organization is in charge of track. Really hoping to hear back from you guys with some answers. They followed up and said you did get answers. The 300-meter track didn't count. And there are apparently only 22 half marathons that actually count in World Athletics' eyes, and it's easier to get ranked in the half by running a full marathon. Also, RIP Grandma's Marathon Weekend. Yeah, every race is getting canceled. Like People are like, well, at least this race isn't done for, and then it's like a week later, it's gone. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, I've seen those World Athletics rankings. They're very difficult, in my opinion, to, to decipher, to figure out. I mean, it's cool that you're on them. That's pretty awesome. Also, yeah. I remember these weren't on the rankings page, but these were on the top list page. I don't know how long this happened, but a couple months ago when there was track during the indoor season, I was looking at the men's 60 list and I didn't recognize the name on top. I was like, who is this person? And I looked and it was some random small college runner. And I was like, how is this person the fastest runner in the world? And I don't know. And then I actually found the result that they were in and they had run either a 50 or 55 and it got counted as a 60. And that's why they were at the top of the list. Oh, so I hope that person saw that and like took a screenshot at least while it was up there. It didn't take them long to fix it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Correct it. But that's pretty cool, right? I love it. Yeah, that's good. I would I would do the same. If I got up there, I don't care if it was a mistake. I'd just print it out and, you know, put it up and then let them know they made a mistake. Frame it. Yeah, yeah. Uh all right, let's go to who's it? Um Oh, here's Midwest. I owe you a story. In the summer of 2017, I was taking weekly trips two and a half nor- hours north to Chicago to see my girlfriend at the time. A couple weekends, we joined a group for Sunday long runs with a group based in Chicago. To my surprise, I saw an old running friend and, of course, started catching up about how our families were doing and what brought us to this run. I was thinking about moving into the city in the near future, so I asked my friend who he ran with. He said, oh, the three run two group, usually. This sparked my curiosity. It was only a couple weeks before when Chief left his infamous voicemail from the back of an Uber at the urging of the three run two crew. Chief may or may not remember leaving this voicemail. The run is getting started and we are now shoulder to shoulder. Ask him, do you listen to the House of Run podcast? Yes, I do, my friend says. Well, if you're in three run two and listen to House of Run, you must be friends with Chief from Illinois. You could say that. 
After a pause that seemed to last forever, I looked over at my friend and he looked back. Wes, I am chief. Mind blown. I was sworn to secrecy or else this story would have been written sooner. <laughs> oh, man. It's uh, – I love it. I mean, it's it's happened, you know, everywhere. He's – I think somebody on Twitter accused Chief of spreading the coronavirus because he was all over the country. Yeah, it's not uh, cool, man. Come he's, on, He's man. everywhere. I don't think he's responsible by any means, but, you know, I never get tired of hearing Chief stories. So it, just it's fantastic. Uh, here's a Aaron hypothetical meat idea. What if the Olympic and every marathon major were to be canceled? Hard to believe. And we have the opportunity to create the biggest purse uh, for track for a half marathon championship. Let's say is sorry. Biggest purse and oh, biggest purse and field for a half marathon championship. Excuse me. Let's say it is announced early enough that everyone gets a chance to prepare for the distance for a full buildup. Who do you want in the race format and invites? Who are your favorites? And if it was a Berlinish type course with perfect weather, what kind of time would you think would come out? Would it be more tactical or do you think it would be fast? Men's and women's, AA run out. P.S. Jason, I'm using my shutdown time to buy slash play old Zelda games. Currently playing Twilight Princess on the Wii. Any hints or tricks would be useful if you've got any or favorite old Zelda game. Whew, man, that's a, that's a big question. Um, you have 30 I mean, seconds. This is great. Enjoy that. Yeah. Um, favorite old Zelda game? I mean, I love basically every Zelda game ever made, but if you want to go old school, go A Link to the Past um, on Super Nintendo. I mean, Ocarina of Time, if that, that fits, that's the greatest game ever made for Nintendo 64. Uh, can't go wrong with any of those. Uh, if you need need help, yeah, shoot me an email. I, I, got, I got you. That's houseofrun at gmail.com. Um, okay, half marathon. So if you could put everybody in it, I mean... I would put Kemore, Cheptegei, Kipchoge, Bekele, Ronix Kiprotu, mm-hmm. Mo Farah, Galen Rupp, um, Gebrewet. Uh, who am I missing? I want Zirna say in there, even though he's way past his prime. I mean, just, you know, he needs to be there because he is the master. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of any other. I mean, throw more Americans in there, I guess, just for our entertainment. Um, I'm sure I'm missing like three of the top five half marathoners of all time because nobody knows actually who they are. So that would be, put them in there too. For the women, Hassan, obviously. Koskai, obviously. The woman who set the half marathon Katani. record, who we don't know. Katani, yes. Uh, Degefa. Tababa. At least two Dababas. Um, yep. Sisson. Huddle. Um, yeah. I'm good with that. Ayana. Find Ayana, wherever Ayana yeah, is. And then, put her in there. Yeah, and having, uh, you know, whether it, you said it goes fast or tactical, I mean, then you, you throw in the huge purse for the for the world record. You know, like all sorts of time bonuses and stuff like that. So you make sure that happens. Put Kipchoge. This is my. This is my hobby horse, right? Put Kipchoge in something that's not naturally advantageous to Kipchoge. That's what I want to see Kipchoge doing with whatever the remaining marathons are. Either put him in a hilly, tactical type race. I know he won in Rio, and that was not a pace race. But put him in a Boston. Put him in a Chicago. Or sorry, not Chicago. Put him in a Boston. Put him in well, even Chicago. No rabbits now. Put him in New York is what I meant to say. Or put him in a half marathon. Put him in an ultra marathon. 
put him in a 32 by 50, have him run on a six meter stretch of his garden and see how fast he can run. Just something where he's not doing the same thing. The same thing is fun. Yeah. But I think he has more to offer the world. Like with his fashion. So, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Uh, we got an email from John. John's the person who I did not, I was not able to meet up with in Albuquerque. So he gave me a summary of what he did oh, yeah. in Albuquerque, which is great. Um, like it. He hiked the La Luz Trail to Sandia Peak. This was an ill-researched trek that became a very memorable near disaster. My friend and I didn't realize beforehand how snowy and icy parts of it were. Apparently, they thought also didn't cross the mind of the REI employee we spoke to the day before because they failed to mention the trail's unfavorable conditions. After traversing several snowy switchbacks, we eventually reached the top, only to realize that the tram we were hoping to ride down was not operating. The woman inside the tram station looked at us like we had two heads and no brain in either one. After weighing our options, of which there were very few, we began the miserable slog down the ski path to a nearby parking lot. To our great fortune, we bumped into a man who was doing some cross-country skiing and offered to give us a ride back to the base. Is there such a thing as Southwestern hospitality? If not, that man could be the spark the Southwestern hospitality movement needs. Uh, There are very nice people in the Southwest, I think. I think that's common. Um, I guess, is Las Vegas considered the Southwest? I guess it would be. Yeah, we're... Yeah, I guess we're kind of like West, but I guess, I mean, yeah, we kind of fall into that category, I guess. I, I would say... There's a hospitality amongst hikers and climbers that would help you. I could see people doing that in Las Vegas. Not the average person in Las Vegas, but yeah. someone who's out. Yeah. Upon returning to our vehicle, my friend and I dashed off to a deserted fast food joint before I sent him off on a flying Petri dish so that I could enjoy Albuquerque in isolation. Two, trust me, this one won't be nearly as long. Meeting Burhanu Dare Kamal, 13th place finisher at the 2019 New York City Marathon after a run on the Bosque. It sounds like he and a few other Ethiopians reside in Albuquerque area. And race many of America's major and second-tier marathons. Anyway, it was fun to chat with him from a socially acceptable distance, of course, and learn about how this pandemic has affected his group. Uh, three, maintain your trust. This won't be as long <laughs> as long either. Spending long hours in my small Airbnb studying for the CPA exam, I also intend on teaching myself how to juggle. Career-wise, it doesn't open as many doors as becoming a CPA, but I think it's a clear winner in the party trick category. During this trip, I also plan to read the book A Shining Season. It's about my namesake, John Baker, who was a prominent UNM and Albuquerque runner that fell victim to cancer in 1970 when he was only 26 years old. Anyway, I hope you and your family are staying safe. Same to you, Jason. During these trying times, if our paths happen across the future, I'd still appreciate the opportunity to meet up. Until next time, Jessica end this. <laughs> Let's Jessica end this. I like that. That's John. I like that. John Baker, also a former Major League Baseball player, John Baker. That was the really? first thing I thought of. So, Yeah, he played for the Cubs one year, if I remember correctly. Um, I think he was really good as a rookie, and then I don't think he ever was that good again. Mm. But, you know, still. Won't, won't hold it against him, is what you're saying. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's, yeah, it's, that's good, though. I like, uh, I mean, that sounds like a cool run. It sucks that you <laughs> think it's going to be over, and then you don't get to make it be over. Uh, we'll do the Marshall portion of the show. Yeah. Got a three here from him. He's talking about 800-meter hurdles. He said it should be an event. He said he's sure Nick Simmons would give it a go. The best part about the race, though, would be the logistics of needing to move the hurdles for the second lap, given the distance and distances across the lanes. Heck, we would probably need a professional hurdle crew to avoid the sheer catastrophe. It would make for one hell of an event until Sebco, with the backing of some phony fan survey, would eliminate the event from the Diamond League in favor of curling. (laughs) 
Uh, this leads me to my next question. What race would you like to add to the Olympic Games or World Championships? Personally, I think the 4x8 would be the best. Given the 800 is effectively a sprint, you wouldn't have to worry about a giant slowdown by the anchor, like the DMR or 4 by mile that would effectively mitigate the previous three legs. Additionally, there would be a ton of excitement and intrigue as each runner comes down to the last 100 meters in a completely fatigued state, attempting or avoiding to be caught. If dressage, rhythmic gymnastics, and... Oh, and he says this question also leads to whether or not Radisha could have split 139. Um, mm, which, yeah, he totally could have. Yeah, let's be honest, though. Whoever comes up with this event program would probably schedule the 4 by 8 and the 800-meter final on the same day, 20 minutes apart. <laughs> um, I mean, I just said before, sprint medley. I, I mean, it's not my favorite event, but that would be a good compromise because the reason why people wouldn't want to do the 4 by 8 is because they would say it's it's – too slanted in the you need to have so many 800 meter runners and that excludes a big part of the world 400 they were all able to add the mixed gender four by four because they're like oh, everybody runs 400 but when you get to 800 um it's less and, and having to come up with four in each gender which that's weird though because 800 i feel like is so geographically diverse right you have people from like yeah almost, i mean i think a lot of continents are represented in finals in the 800 for sure, I guess to get like the get to once you need the four solid though, you kind of go like, okay, it's Kenya, it's the U.S. I mean, that's your big one too. Can Poland um, find two other people? Yeah, I mean, like that's you kind of have. A, I feel like you have a lot of countries with one or two really good eight hundred meter runners. Um, maybe just that's where the depth falls off a little bit. But um, I like the, um, you know, I, I like the four by eight. I wouldn't be against it. I guess the only worry I have with adding relays is you know it just can be tough for the schedule but if you end up putting like most of the relays like near the end like after events then yeah. i think that you you kind of avoid that would it be a relay if you could add one event or would you add something else <sighs> i'm trying to think what else i would add um yeah i don't i don't think there's anything else i would I would add above that. It's just, you know, there's like the few individual, like, it's like, do you want a three K in there? Or do you want like, it's like, I don't necessarily think we need that. As a I would do. It. I mean, um, if I was in charge of just jacking up the ratings, I've said this before, I would add, there'd be a one fifty, a two fifty, and a 300. Right. I mean, that's, yeah, I guess that's true. And those would all be straight finals. Actually, you'd probably having like a 40 or 50 or whatever would actually appeal to so many people too, because yeah. it's, you have the crossover to football and stuff. Yeah. But I think, I think, for, I mean, if, I, I, I would take either, like in a perfect world, I'd love to see, I mean, I'd love to see the four by eight. Um, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, but like people might get more interested in a, in a sprint melee just cause you could pull. Cause so like, for example, on the women's side of things, like, South Africa's four by eight, you know, probably wouldn't have a chance. You know, even though if 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 I mean, yeah. in this world Semenya can run right, you have Semenya, but you don't have anybody else. But they could find a two two four and just get the stick to her and pray, and maybe she runs her way into a medal. Right? I don't think, I don't think they could beat the the U.S. because the U.S. would be. Um. Actually, I don't know. Maybe depends on how good their four meter runner is. But you know what I'm saying? Like. You only, it's the same reason why a distance medley could kind of work because anybody who has a 1500 meter finalist could kind of be in it, right? Yeah. You just gotta, you just gotta no, s- you're right. I mean, that's, that's a good point. And usually you can find, like I said, you're not getting crushed in the 200 or the 400. Like, mm-hmm. even if you're 
not elite in that you can you know usually be within a second or something yeah you'd rather be jamaica than kenya or sorry you'd rather be kenya than jamaica you'd rather have the strong eight yeah eight and the weak yeah because although no J- jamaica women would be really good with natalia Gould. they would yeah. yeah they would be they would be really good hmm. i kind of like it just because the crossover and disciplines too is sort of fun I don't know. Yeah, I think I think that would be really could be really fun. Yeah, you might yeah, you might have sold me on the sprint medley as being my choice. It's a dumb event, like just in general, but like within the confines of like an Olympic program, I think it could be cool. Right? Like, yeah. And, and DMR I'd rather have that than the mixed gender four by four. Yes, a hundred times out of hundred. And I would rather have a four by eight than a DMR. Apparently. Yeah, that's fair. I just, I, just, I just get tired of it being a mile race, and 800-meter runners won't do that. They'll, they'll go out and they'll run hard from the gun, I think. Anyway, more from yeah. Marshall here. He says, I always wonder but never ask, why do certain states run the 300-meter hurdles in high school instead of 400-meter hurdles? Growing up in very eastern Iowa, we also had the 400 low hurdles. Meanwhile, a short drive across the bridge, Illinois, had them running the 300-meter hurdles. Some people may assume that due to fiscal irresponsibility of the state of Illinois, they couldn't afford to buy enough hurdles for a 400-meter low hurdle race. <laughs> Apparently, Iowa, <laughs> New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, and South Carolina contested 400-meter hurdles at their state meet. Uh, Nevada was 300. Right? Um, it was. Man, I didn't even remember that until you said that. California, that was... California did, when I was coaching there, at least our section had did 300 meter hurdles. I think it's a fatigue thing. I think someone was like, "Hey, this race is really hard, and if you want more than one person to try to do this, you probably need to shorten it and make it a little easier." Uh, also, it gives more time for the hurdle crew, right? And as we've talked about in the show, the hurdle crew they take a while. We love the hurdle crew, but I mean that's true. It's you know I'm yeah I mean I get it in in some aspects, but I kind of would rather it just be the 400 hurdles, but. Uh... You know, if it gets more people to come out and do it, I guess, fine. I mean, that's a brutal event. Like, even at the college level, you see just the disparity between yeah. people who can, like, do it. And I don't know, man. It's kind of like, as someone who's never done stand-up and watched it, it's kind of like stand-up. It's like, like, when you can't do it, it goes really wrong. And there's a very fine line. Yeah. Or, like, improv. Live improv is either some of the best, like, funniest stuff you've ever seen or the most uncomfortable situation in the world. Yeah, and I think that would be yes. That's way better. Leave it to you, improvisational comic, to come up with an improv response that's better than mine. Because like, there would be physically people who like their their body would shut down, and they'd be they would be yeah, they'd be high school athletes that could get through a four hundred and it would be fine. But then you add in the hurdles, and someone would throw them in, and it would just be a complete mess, and it would come completely apart. And yeah, if you start too fast in the four hundred hurdles, it, it you're, you're done. I mean you're not clearing the last three hurdles right and you you have a lot of people like stopping and i would guess that's what it is but i don't but i don't know i would incur i would uh welcome any responses there uh and then one more here he's talking about this is marshall here talking about um let's see what is he talking about is he talking about britney spears i think he's talking about britney spears here uh in lieu of your discussion on britney spears's hand time world record i figured i would share this questionable time from the record books way back in 2002 adam haluska of carroll iowa set the iowa high school state record in the 100 meter dash by running 10.10 it was a small out-of-the-way track meet and it was hand timed 
Rumor has it there was a significant tailwind, but once again, lacking the technology to measure the wind readings, it was deemed legal. It was definitely an outlier time in his track and field career. However, Haluska was one hell of an athlete. He won eight state individual titles. At 6'5", he went on to become a first-team All-Big Ten player for the Iowa Hawkeyes and was on the 2006 team that won the Big Ten mm-hmm. Tournament Championship before losing to 14-seed Northwestern State on a buzzer-beating three-pointer. This was a devastating day in my life. He was later drafted by the Hornets in the second round of the NBA draft, traded to the Rockets, and cut. He spent a year in the D-League and then wow. some time playing professionally in Israel. He probably should have stuck with track. My question to the broader community is, what are the most dubious state-slash-province records that exist and the stories behind them? Well, that's good. Uh, yeah, yeah he, that's definitely something where writers have to email in because we don't know most state records because, you know, you don't know it unless you really ran in it. Uh, but I love that. Yeah, I'm going I'm to guess the guy who ran like 21-4 didn't run 10-10. Just nothing against yeah. Hushka, obviously an insane athlete. But that's those don't really measure up. Were you at the uh, were you at that Moapa Valley meet that one year when the kid from Mojave ran 9-9 in quotes? <laughs> And the wind was like... I don't think so. It was hand-timed, obviously. It was hand-timed. So it was completely incorrect. And that was probably a 40-mile... The wind was blowing so hard that day. And they yelled it over the loudspeakers as if it was real. And everyone was like, whoa! I mean, <laughs> it was... He didn't run 9-9 even with the wind. Let's be clear on that. But right. It was like people yeah. lost their mind as if it was real. And yeah. Huh. No, I did not... Uh... I, I don't think I was there for that. Yeah. Um, but that's uh I love that. That's it was not I'm trying to think I, I don't of know what... any like the Nevada State records weren't anything like that crazy. So Well, the Nevada State records had to be done at the state meet, if I'm remembering correctly. So they had to have oh, yeah. some some set of eyes on them. Um All right, let's go to Thad here. He's talking about throwing. Two years ago, we were at a throws only meet. Kid shagging discus threw one in from the deep out, uh, from deep out in the field, and hit a helper in the back of the head. So never turn your back to the ring. Oof. Wouldn't have helped him. See, shows what I know, Jason. Um, one of my parents is an EMT, and I'm not scared of anything. So we rushed to help while all the other adults were in shock at this blood. So story that you shared. Kid said he was okay until he saw the blood dripping. Two best parts. A, we called 911. They sent a fire truck, and while in route, were giving instructions to my parent as if he were clueless. He got pissed and hung up on 911. <laughs> B, after he was wrapped up by medical, I asked the kid if he had a cell phone. He handed it to me and took a picture of him for, for posterity on his phone in case no one believed him. Two, little known rule of throwing in competitions. If someone in the field gets hit, the thrower has a choice to take the result or rethrow. I had a girl last year hit someone out of the sector, and she got a rethrow. Most awesome rule ever that day. Wow. Three, my team has a rule that if you get hit in practice, you're either A, cut, or B, have to wear this Magneto helmet to practice once a week until the next person gets hit, with the obvious nod to the fact that should they develop Magneto's powers, they would indeed then be safe from flying metal objects. And there's an at you sends a picture of an actual helmet. That's uh that's tremendous. I love that. Yeah. That's that's great. Just be careful is what I that's, want people. That's scary, man. Yeah, that stuff is so just yeah. Oh, don't look anywhere when you're throwing. Just, just focus on, just be hyper aware, be hyper aware, be Magneto. Yeah. Uh, this is from, it's a long one from Ryan in Chicago. Never had the opportunity to say first time, long time before. So this is an exciting first for me. 
All the talk in the show about the Dreamy has made me think about the Dream Fall 2020 marathon season. If you had the power to assign every elite runner to one of the five majors this fall, how would you distribute them? There probably isn't enough talent to distribute them all evenly, so one or two will presumably draw the short straw. I have some ideas, but I'd love to hear how you would do it. For the sake of hypotheticals, ignore any pre-existing contracts that would restrict who could run which races. My list is non-exhaustive because some of the runners I couldn't decide on didn't feel like including or forgot about. Ready to hear this, Jason? Yeah, please. So Boston, September 14th. One silver lining of all the race postponements is that we finally get to solve the age-old mystery of what Yuki can run in if he focused on training for one race. That's true. <laughs> Additionally, after last year's Boston finish, it seems only right that we get a Chirono de Cisa rematch, throw in Rupp, and see what Leonard Career can do in his major debut. And we could have a pretty exciting men's race on the women's sides. Putting Linden in Boston seems natural at this point. After Truly Mook's trials race in Atlanta, a hilly course seems a natural fit for her. I'd like to see her compete against high-level international competition. Let's say Vivian Cherio and Ruth Chepnegich. Berlin. The men's race drew the short straw for me. I'm skipping it, except to include Yuki. You can see where I'm going with this. The women's race featured a match between the most accomplished women's marathon runner, Katani, world record holder, Kozgai, and then adding in Worknesh to Gaifa. London on September the 4th, or October the 4th. We obviously want to preserve Kipchoge versus Bekele, but why stop there? Add Legese and Garamu for a race between every sub-203 runner ever. Also, Yuki, the women's race drew the short straw here. Then he goes to Chicago, October 11th. My theme for Chicago will be runners that I like to see run a fast time on a flat course. This could have also worked for Berlin, but I'm biased Chicago resident. The women's race will include Jordan Hesse making another attempt at the American record, as well as Jocelyn Jepkoski and Molly Seidel. Boston might have made more sense for Seidel, but I arbitrarily decided to split up all the Olympic <laughs> qualifiers. The men's race will include Abdi attempting to reclaim the Masters record, as well as Jared Ward, Scott Fobble, Jeffrey Camor, and Yuki. Then New York says, like Tuliamuk, Jake Riley's trials performance makes me want to see him compete Again, on a hilly course, let's also include Reed Fisher's marathon debut redux and Jeffrey Karui for some international competition. The women's race may be returning to the site of Molly Huddle's best marathon will reinvigorate her marathon career. I'd also be interested to see Emma Bates and Kellen Taylor run this course for some international competition, having Valerie Gemelli make her marathon debut here. Last but not least, Sally Kipiego could make things interesting. Hope this wasn't too long. Ryan from Chicago. Uh, this is close to perfect. Yeah, I was to say, man, I don't know how I can improve really on this. I would add, this I would. Is, this is great. I would throw Sisson in somewhere. I think Sisson deserves deserves a spot, and I would put her in a. I would put her either in Boston or, or New York. I would want to see her on a, on a championship course. But other than that, it's perfect. Okay. Yeah. It's perfect. Yeah, I'm I'm in. I mean, Farah's not running a marathon again, right? I mean, we could throw him in one in this scenario, but yeah, that's you know probably not. Uh, I don't have a burning desire to see him in another marathon. I mean, if he wants to, great, but I don't. I don't need that in my life necessarily. Right, that's fair. Yeah. Um, okay, Liam, the great Liam from Shetland, Jason. He's yes. wondering if there's any tape. Yes, there's any track and field tabletop games worth their salt. I know there's always video games, oh. but if, like me, you live in the back of beyond with terrible internet. You're restricted to Athens 2004 on PlayStation 2, true story, or every British 2000 school child's favorite, Denise Lewis's Heptathlon. Well, that's an actual game? That's amazing. Are that's there any amazing. games <laughs> you know 
that could fill the hole. If not, there's a whole community of smart listeners to this podcast. Can we crowdsource a game from our hive mind? I've been racking my brain for days and finding out true to form what should be a fairly simple sport becomes unreasonably complex when you break it down and try to come up with something easy enough to understand but difficult enough to be worthwhile. Any potential profits will, of course, be split 40% to me, 40% to you, 10% as a listener lottery, and 10% towards the establishment of the Beat Orkney Shoe Production Company. Cheers, Liam and Shetland. <laughs> hashtag Beat Orkney. Love it. Um, so, I, I mean, you... I immediately thought of the original track and field game for Nintendo with the power pad, um, mm-hmm. which is always a good one. Uh, and then I thought of uh, Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Games, which is a, a newer game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, you could do all sorts of uh, track and field. I I, I want to say I played one of them a little while ago, but now I can't remember all the different sports um, mm-hmm. that are in there. Um, but it's like specifically like Tokyo 2020. It's so it's for that. Mm-hmm. A lot of the questions I, I, I don't I can't vouch how good it is. A lot of the questions on today's show are to other people. We're just the conduit here. We're trying to just get connect yeah. people. Um, all right, we got one more, and then we got the shorts and tights debate relived. Um, Let's do so, it. Yeah, so stick with us here. This one is from Daniel. Between the guy that almost ran a marathon on a whim after his workout and the balcony marathon guy, I thought it only prudent to tell my marathon story. I was a slow cross-country runner on an NAIA team and had just finished up my senior year season in a mediocre fashion as ever. However, I realized that unless I were to get serious about marathons later in life, I was at the highest mileage for the longest period of time that I would ever be as a mid-distance guy. So, laying in bed one night, I asked my roomies if they thought running an easy marathon the next day would ruin my two-week recovery. They decided that it probably wouldn't kill my track season under the assumption that I wasn't serious. Jokes on them, the next day I had a big gap with no classes, so I just went and did it. About 10 minutes before I left, I realized I had no water-slash-fuel plan, so I threw six quarters into my tights and prayed there would be a vending machine at the state park, which covered miles 13 through 19-ish. I didn't want to kill myself. My long runs for cross only hit 14, so I went as slow as I could, which definitely got easier as I went on. Quick run through. Mile one was a little faster than I wanted to go, just like any solo run. Miles two through 18, I was settled in and felt as easy as any run at 7.30 pace. By my mile 19, I thought I could feel my heart rate inching up. By 20, my joints were aching as it transitioned, as it transitioned from crushed limestone back to pavement. The worst part was the last five. I hadn't actually mapped out 26.2 miles. I just went out what I knew would be over 20, and I figured I'd make up the difference somewhere. That meant that for the last five miles, I was just sneaking through neighborhoods trying to make up the mileage, and every turn gets a little harder when you've been running in essentially a straight line for 20 miles. Finally hit 26.2 with only one parking lot loop. Finished in 316 with maybe a minute break after mile 14 to offload my quarters and chug an orange Gatorade. My very surprised roommate found me shaking in the apartment afterward trying to warm up and eat as much protein as I could. The heartbreaker came when I uploaded from Garmin to Strava a month or so later and was distraught to find it winning as 26.19. <laughs> oh, here's, man. Oh, here's a link. That's still like, man, to wake up and do that. And I mean, 316, that's, that's, no, that's no slouch. That, like, that's, that's impressive. He, he sends a link to his, his Strava. It does say 26.1 oh, on here. That sucks. 7.30 pace. Uh, it's taking a while to load. Because Your elevation was almost 700 feet, so that counts for the extra point one. You're good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, this is... 
this, I'm looking at the map right now. This is well done. Yeah, you can see. Well you can see towards now. the end. There's a lot more looping. <laughs> so this kind of reminds me, like, whenever I'd run like a long run, and someone would ask me, "Oh, how long was your long run this week?" A non-runner, and I'd say, "Oh, I I did 14." Yeah. And they, and they would say, they would say, "Wait, you just did a half marathon as like a run?" And I said, "Yeah, it's no big deal." Because for us, that doesn't seem like that big of a deal. The idea that you could yeah. complete complete a, a milestone distance as a training run is just that. It's just a training run. So, I mean, while the marathon is hard, there's nothing, there's nothing special about that distance, right? Like, there's no reason why you can't just go out and run it. It's incredibly hard and it's twice as long as a half marathon. But, like, you know, Jim Walmsley probably looks at this and is like, yeah, okay. It's about right. That was, that was what I did on Wednesday, yeah, too. Yeah, I, I think... I mean, and this is just from my, you know, mediocre running past. Um, but I feel like for most like regular, you know, distance runners, maybe non-marathon things, it's like, oh, your long run would be whatever, 12 to 15 miles, maybe at the mm-hmm. like, what I feel like once you cross the 15 mile threshold, that does seem like, uh, okay, why? This is weird that we got this far. Like, you know, like that's like a different level that you're crossing. Yeah. It's just, okay. So he could have picked a race, found a training plan, built up his mileage and done it and run faster. Or he could have just run it between classes. Oh and yeah. No, for sure. I mean, it's, classes. it's just funny how it, that it's, and, and it's, yeah. it's, I mean, three sixteen on your own, making it up as you go along. Like I, I, I would have to say you could easily have run faster in a race because like there's so much extra adrenaline and different people. Like it, it, it can, I would imagine that would have made things much easier. Yeah, but well done, well done nonetheless. I've just it's just interesting. Oh, we don't we don't th- yeah we the way we think of barriers is 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 interesting. Um, all right, let's close out here with shorts and tights. So, yeah, Brian from Knoxville followed up with what happened. He said, "I got bad news from you. You encouraged me to write back again. So here I am again. I shared your responses with my friends, and a discussion ensued. Here are rankings and reasoning. First guy showed up in shorts. So this was remember that four guys that showed up: sh- a shorts, a tights." shorts over tights and a shorts under tights. He says the, the top yeah. seed they thought was the shorts guy. He did it right as he followed the rules. Remember they had a temperature. Level. Yeah, they had their rules. So I, I can respect this, even though I would have been way too cold to just show up in shorts as a 2018 Boston finisher. We knew he was tough and I'm pretty sure if it had been colder, he would have rocked the shorts over tights ensemble. Second guy showed up in tights with shorts on over the top. I've got him in second. We just assume no one wants to see old men in tights. And there was a chance we would be joining up with the large Knoxville Marathon training group. Plus, the shorts had pockets for goo. Shorts are obviously a better choice than adding an armband or a belt with a pocket for a phone. (sighs) Hits me deep. What kind of weirdo jogger would wear one of those belts? Third guy showed up in tights with shorts under the tights. I've got him as the worst offender, oddly enough. Um... He seemed to be the nicest, friendliest guy of the group, but now we know he's clearly a psychopath. He claims he needed the shorts for support. Um, so then the fourth guy, the guy who was in tights only, puts him in third, so ahead of that guy. I will add that as a bunch of guys that are happy to get age group awards in our local races, there may be a sentiment that going tights only, no shorts, is for the elites, or maybe we are just more modest than some. I don't think any of us own a pair of half tights. Also, no vapor flies were warned during the run. He says the Knoxville marathon has been moved to November. So you could run all four U S marathons in the span of two months, Boston, Chicago, New York, Knoxville. 
<laughs> stay healthy. That is Brian. I mean, I get the, there's just this weird self consciousness with with guys um, and tights, and they think it's gonna. I don't mm-hmm. like. I mean, when I'm running, I'm not looking down there. So no, I mean, I, I you know, it's 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 the same as you know when you start off first wearing the runner shorts, and it's like this is weird just because I don't wear things like this normally, and it's it's a it's a change. So I, I could I could understand it. Mm-hmm. All right, this is Jason W on the same topic. He says, "I must admit, I'm ignorant to the faux pas." I've been committing all winter by wearing shorts over tights, but then again, Leavenworth, Kansas isn't exactly the epicenter of running fashion. However, I do want to make a case for wearing shorts over tights. One, most of my shorts have a convenient zippered pocket in the back to hold my iPod, car key, and a goo or two for long runs. Front pockets are great for spent goo packets, easier for me than wearing a separate running belt. My general rule for wearing tights is throw them on when it drops below freezing. Fleece tights for temps below 30. With a high humidity in the Midwest, the cold winds can be biting, so having another layer to protect the bits is much appreciated. Love the weekly podcast, by the way. It always keeps me entertained on my runs. I've learned a lot about the competitive sport side of running. Unfashionably, he signs it, Jason W. Uh, yeah, so... These are good arguments. Well, no, if you need pockets, though, there's... Run- like. I know that like tights, like pure tight tights, usually don't have pockets, right? That would defeat the purpose. They might have a little key pocket by your hip, but then you can yeah. get running. You can get running pants, and once I discovered running pants, that was a game changer. They're more comfortable. They actually allow for me the range of movement with my legs was way better. Like I've done a lot of track like track workouts in the cold, uh, or speed workouts in those sort of pants. They're just a little bit. They're like a degree or two looser than tights, and most of them have pockets. And then you can put the goo, and then you can do whatever you want without having to wear shorts. That's what I would say. That's fair, but hey, running maybe pants, you can't. Uh, you know, maybe you can't afford them right now because you, you got other stuff going on. And okay. uh, so, if you got to do it, I, I, res- I respect it. I'm not as anti this as Kevin is, but so so I can understand. Uh, okay, and then here's another one. You'll probably agree with not Steve who wrote in here too because you've abandoned your position entirely and you're just wearing shorts. You're like uh, the guy in Friends who put on all the clothes and did lunges in his house. I don't remember. Is that Joe? Uh, is Joey. That yeah. yeah. Uh, I just wanted to add my two cents about the wearing shorts under tights talk from last week. I think you guys are absolutely correct to put wearing only tights and only shorts in the top two spots. However, I think you are mistaken to think that shorts over tights should be above tights over shorts. You going to defend this too, okay. Jason? You going to defend this? I, I'm, I'm intrigued where he's going. I want to hear their argument first. The shorts over tights look exemplifies the ultimate in amateurism and dweebiness of our sport and frankly gives weight to the runner nerd persona. It says, I am too embarrassed to wear only tights and therefore want to look like a noob instead. Wearing shorts over tights should be reserved for JV freshmen and non-runners who want to get in their 10 minutes of cardio before Oof. lift. Fire. On the contrary, Coming tights hard. Over, the tights over shorts look can be one of pure functionality. Many a time have runners driven to a running meetup, not quite knowing what the temperature will feel like when they arrive. Should they wear shorts? Should they wear tights? Why not get the best of both worlds and wear your shorts under your tights? You can disguise yourself as a tights-only guy minus few wrinkles, or you can shed the tights (laughs) proud of the run and be a shorts guy. This technique also works great when warming up for races. You want to race in shorts but need to get the legs warm before the gun goes off. If you put your shorts over your tights, you have zero flexibility and are forever stuck looking like the JV freshman who doesn't have a clue what running is. I will even argue that running in your dad's decade-old cotton sweatpants from the 80s is better alternative than putting shorts over your tights. Final <laughs> rankings. Tights or shorts? 
personal preference on temperature, don't judge. Two, shorts under tights. Three, almost any other functional running clothing. Four, shorts over <laughs> tights. That is signed, not Steve. Interesting. I mean, I, I, I see that argument. You know, like, I've definitely, like, warmed up in, like, you know, it's usually, I guess they aren't tights usually for me. Like, it's usually, like, more like a, usually I know, like, I'll be wearing shorts, but I'll be wearing, like, the, you know, whatever Adidas pants sure. over during the warm-up session, and then I know I'm going to take those off. Um, just the act of, like, the tights over the shorts sounded weird because tights are obviously tight. And uh, so, like, he's right, you know, a little bit of wrinkles and stuff going on. But uh, but I, I could understand that perspective. And, this... and he's he, – I don't know if he may be even harder on the uh, shorts over tights guys than you are. Yeah, he certainly is. Look, this just depends on how you define the initial situation that Brian posed. It wasn't, oh, we're warming up for a race, right? It was you're meeting to go run, and you're not going to have an opportunity to change your wardrobe. That's how I interpret it, right? Right. Like – in a long run, if you're meeting up with a bunch of people to go run, hey, we're going to go run an easy 10 miles. Okay, cool. I'm going to bring my pants over my – and then put shorts underneath it because at mile five, I might get a little hot. Stop in the bathroom. Take off my take off my tights and carry them with me the rest of the way? No, it's not going to happen. That's ridiculous. So yeah, I, I interpret this as what do you show up in that you're intending to run? What are you doing warming up for race? Whatever. That's a different, that's a different category entirely. So – I want to hear the argument, a a strong argument in why showing up like that is, and and you intend to run that way, because then you're stuck, right? And there's no reason why you don't want to run like that. There's nobody who intends. Oh, I'm gonna have both on. I want to run this way, unless they've just never been exposed to wearing just tights or just shorts. And the warm up situation again, easily solved by. Um, running pants that are a bit looser and then you can make the call then but that's a different I think that's right. a different category do you get what I'm saying like that's different than just like we're yeah, showing up no, to no, I, run I, yeah I definitely know what you mean and I, I think yeah I think the running pants thing that you said um, you know if everyone's super rich like Kevin then you can just go buy those and change your entire running wardrobe um, I have ones that are like 15 no, years but, old they're still they still work no I know I'm saying but that is that is a good option um, for those people who maybe you know don't feel super comfortable in just the tights Mm-hmm. We got a really nice note here from Sarah from South Carolina. Just want to let her know that we read it and appreciate all the the kind words as well. And I think we'll close out. Do we have the chief voicemail on here? Oh, here it is. Yeah, from April third. From April third. Oh, he's asking kind of about a live show. I don't think you need. I don't think you need to play this. He's asking no? about. Okay. He's as I can read the transcript. He says, "Can we do a live show?" Which we already talked about. We're gonna try. Write it if you want a live yeah. show. Let us know. If we don't hear from anybody, we're not going to do a live show because it's it takes work to put that on in addition to this. And we don't, we're not going to do it if it's just you and Jason and I talking because that's what we do every week and it's live to us. So if people want a live show and we'll tune in live, let us know and we'll do it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I mean, I would be, I would 100% be up for it. So, and this is how yeah, it would start. This is how it would start. This is how it would start. This is how the live show would start. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, for the first ever House of Run live show. Before we get going, I'd like to introduce you to a comedian who's performed all over the Las Vegas Strip. <laughs> he is a comedic stylings. His, one, his sister once described him as a male Ellen. Here he is for the first time <laughs> on his Zoom debut, Jason Halpin. 
Can we do that? <laughs> yeah, that's sign me up. I don't know okay, if that's how like, people uh, get introduced at comedy clubs. I've been to that many comedy clubs. I don't think that's how introductions. Yeah, go. I mean it's uh you know it's 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 in the realm you know and that seems at least uh, at least possible there. Okay, what's been the coolest intro that someone's given you in a comedy club? Like, what's the coolest descriptor of you? They're usually not that cool. Um, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean you you know it's it's usually just like kind of basic. Like it's it's usually something along the lines of yeah they performed blah 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 and did this or. Um, you know, some people, I mean, in more local shows where I actually know, like, you know, the people running and stuff a lot like that, they'll jokingly say that I'm, like, the dirtiest comic because I'm not really a dirty comic at all uh, or stuff like that. Ooh, but usually there's it's nothing like, like, there's never been, like, a great intro, you know? It's not, not like, something that's, like, going to be a game changer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't think it's something that, like, change, you know, because it's, it's not like I have that many impressive uh, credentials here, you know? He's like he's the Van Niekerk of puns, the Rudisha of <laughs> crowd work. I don't know. That, that should have had more alliterative things. I can work on it. I can work on it before the live show. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll let, I want to make this happen. <laughs> All right, house on gmail dot com. Let us know what you think. Have a great week, everybody. Again, listen to the experts. Be safe out there. If you're in a position to help others, try to do that. I know not everybody is in that spot. But if you are, keep an eye out for those out there who are uh, struggling. There's a lot of people I know in the United States in that situation and throughout the world. So if you can do that, that'd be awesome. But we will leave it there. Jason, thank you. Thank you. And thank you everybody for the emails. I think we're, we're, we're caught up, at least until the later today, probably. <laughs> Marshall's already written two during this podcast. So we got work to do. Literally, he's written two during this podcast. Oh, oh he has. Yeah, yeah. awesome. All right, we'll start with those ones next week. We will talk to you guys then. Jess Gannis, stay safe out there. <laughs>